In just a moment, we're going to be reading from verse 15 onwards. But before we get into the text, I want to speak for a moment about the theme of light and darkness in the Bible. In the Bible, one of the central themes, right from the first pages, is this idea of light and darkness. Right from the very story of creation, we are told that God spoke and said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And he called the light day and the darkness night. So on one level, I guess a very sort of a natural thing to talk about creation, but there's, a, there's spiritual meaning in it. It's a thing that develops right the way through the Bible and becomes much more than simply night and day. Um, it begins to uh, reveal all kinds of ideas, some of which we're going to look at in just a moment. But the point I want to make at the beginning is the Bible doesn't really deal with grayscale. The Bible's not big on grey. Now, I'm not saying that the Bible does not understand that life is complicated, and I know that life is complicated, and the more you get into issues, you realise, oh, I thought I was go- I go in and I thought it was black, actually maybe it's dark grey, or I thought it was white, maybe it's light grey, and you realise there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes on that's murky, and you think, where does that fit? Um, and I think the Bible acknowledges that life is complex. However, however... When dealing with the things that God wants us to deal with, particularly issues and matters of the heart, if you go in with a grayscale mentality, you will remain in constant murk forever. There are issues which are forced to light and darkness. And it's important that when we deal with God, and when we let God deal with our heart, that we, um, that we don't just dumb, dumb everything down to a kind of grey. That's a bit of this and a bit of that. If you read the Bible, you'll be struck by its starkness. It's not shy about saying, this is light, and this is dark. Maybe we love grey because we don't have to call darkness what it is, darkness. Because there's always reasons for my darkness. The things I do in the dark, the things I do in secret, the things I desire secretly. There's always reasons. And the more reasons I can come up with, the better I feel about it. But it's dark. So it's important that we allow ourselves to, to engage with this, con- this, um, this issue of light and darkness. You see, in John chapter 1 in the New Testament, it says that uh, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And we begin to realise that there's this battle between light and darkness. Um, I don't know how many of you are excited about Star Wars 7. Yeah, in December coming out. Um, big moment. It'll be a big family moment. Well, for some of us. Uh, but obviously what's really developed strongly in that, in that well, I don't know what you call, uh, it's not a trilogy anymore, is it? I don't know what you call it. In, the, in this series of films, uh, is this idea of light and darkness, the dark side and all of that. Now, it's important that, that, that we stop for a moment and pause and just ask our question maybe about the concept for a moment of yin and yang. Yin and yang you'll be familiar with as a, as a symbol. And the idea behind yin, yin and yang is that, um, is that you've got the positive and the negative, and that actually the positive and the negative need one another. The, the whole thing balances, it, balances itself out. It's a very important that, that there's a balance of these two things and that, they, and, that, and that actually without this kind of harmony of the negative and the positive, actually things don't work. And so it's, that's a worldview that is unbiblical. It's not a biblical worldview. The biblical worldview is that in creation God separates the light from the darkness and he says something about the light. He says it's good. By implication, the darkness isn't. 
And actually through Christ, it is God's aim to drive the darkness out of his creation. That's what he's doing. Jesus said, I am the, the light of the world. Whoever, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Incredible promises. This is very relevant to the Ephesians passage, by the way, so bear with me. I'm wanting you to understand before we get into this. This is really important that we are, I would say that we're gripped by this. Now, there are two main ways the Bible talks about um, darkness and light in the New Testament. The first is this, is that darkness represents um, hiding, secrecy, shameful things. It represents this idea that there are things I want to do that I know God wouldn't want me to do, and I would probably imagine that others would have some opinions about it as well, so I'm going to do them in secret. And I may find others who like the same kind of thing, and then we can do it, but we'll still do it in, in, this, in this sense, because we, we know that this thing is kind of a, it's not, it's not right. The Bible says that men love the darkness. Now it's an interesting one, because actually what you often find is, is that someone will be taken to court because they did a dark deed. And there'll be others outside the van as it drives into court, kicking the van and screaming and shouting. Why? Because that kind of darkness in there is wrong. However, <laughs> I too have my kind of darkness, and that's not so bad. That's how we think. We all have our little things that we think aren't as bad as the other person. It's this idea that we know that there are things we like to do and that we desire on the inside that we ought not, but we do. And it never seems quite as bad as the other person's darkness. This is, the, this is the picture that the Bible paints of mankind in nature. That there's this hiddenness. There's this shame. There's this hiding. You see it right from the start in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sin and God comes to walk with them in the garden. Where are you? We were hiding. Why were you hiding? Well, we were naked and we wanted to hide ourselves. There's this sense of, I don't want God to see me for who I am. I'm naked and exposed. As soon as they said that, God said, did you eat the fruit? Because he knows that it's actually at the root of that shame is sin. It's always sin, whether it's our sin or someone else's sin against us. It's always sin at the root, you see. So it's, this, it's about hiding, it's the first thing. The second thing it's about is it's about spiritual ignorance. It's about this idea that our hearts have become darkened, Romans 1 says. That we've willfully suppressed the truth about God, and as a result, our hearts have become darkened. And so we find ourselves groping around, still with this made in the image of God, still in our hearts, eternity in our hearts, longing for transcendence, and yet not wanting God, not wanting the God of the Bible. We don't want Him, but we long for transcendence, we long for something uh, glorious and, and beyond ourselves. And so we grope around creating philosophies, ideas, belief systems, if you like, that will try to satisfy, promise to satisfy our soul, but never do because they're man-made but we're groping we can't we've become dark we've become darkened in our heart we can't see the way through anymore these are the two main ideas of darkness in the new testament park it ephesians chapter 1 verse 15 He's just said all these amazing things in the last few verses about what it means to be in Christ. If you're in Christ, you've been chosen before the foundation of the world. If you're in Christ, you've been predestined to adoption. If you're in Christ, you've been forgiven, you've been redeemed, you've been let in on God's big plan, you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Remember the last few weeks? Yes, I hear you say with great zeal and enthusiasm. And then he moves on, verse 15. 
For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all Amen Lord thank you for this mighty passage I ask that you would help me to do justice to it in what I say and I pray that you would give ears to those who are hearing to hear what you are saying to hear what you are saying Lord reveal your glory through our time in this passage I pray Amen see the question is this if we've been chosen since before the foundation of the world if we've been predestined to be adopted, if we've been forgiven, if we've been redeemed, if we've been let in on God's big plan, if we've been sealed with the Spirit, what more do we need? What more could anyone pray for? Someone says, can I pray for you? Say, well, do you know what? I'm doing all right. I've been chosen since before the foundation of the world. I'm going to be fine. I've been redeemed, I've been forgiven for all my shameful deeds. I've been washed by the blood of Jesus, so now I can stand before God with a clear conscience and people. Not worry about what skeleton's going to come out of my closet. I've been washed by the blood of Jesus. I'm fine. But actually, Paul says, I want to pray for you now. And I want us to to ask this question. What more do we need? Well, let's go through the text. We're going to go through verses 15 to 19 today, and then we'll next week pick up from 20 onwards. For this reason, what reason? Because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus... And I've heard of your love towards the saints. Right? So he's given it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you, but he's saying, do you know what? I'm, I'm going to give thanks to you, he says in a minute, and pray for you. Why? I've heard two things about you. Number one, I've heard that you trust Jesus. Number two, I hear that you love Jesus' people. And that has filled my heart with gratitude. Why? Why is such the big deal? Here's the big deal. If you trust in Jesus, and if you find in your heart a love for God's people, for believers, that is a supernatural miracle. That is, God has, God has done that. If you are sitting in this room today and you think, yeah, I trust Jesus with my life. I'm trusting him. And I love his church. Hallelujah. God has worked in your heart. God has worked in your life. There's something about the church that without the Holy Spirit, you would look on and think, you'd either think, I hate those people, or you'd think, they're nice people, but I don't want to be one of them. That was my story. I, really, I actually quite liked Christians, but I really didn't want to be one. Didn't have, a, didn't have a love for them. Didn't feel any sense of commitment to them or, want, or, or desire to lay my life down for them. <laughs> Sorry. And then I got born again. And I love this church. And I found myself spending time with all kinds of people. Before I would hang around, I would try and find people like myself. And then we would hang out together. And we were similar. Then I joined the church. <laughs> and God just threw me together with a whole bunch of people that I never would have spent time with naturally. Never, never, never. But 
But I found that as I just allowed God to work in my heart, there's just love that grew. That is a miracle. I want to just commend some people here today. I, I just, I, Davina came home from the Women's Day yesterday, and then Daisy a little bit afterwards, and we talked about it. And I tell you, it was an amazing day by all accounts. And I just want to say that, that if you had any involvement in serving and helping yesterday, if you led, if you spoke, if you organised, if you had any involvement um, yesterday, can you please stand and can we give you a round of applause, please? Can you stand to your feet? Can I just say, our rounds of applause over the years have got so lame. <laughs> Whatever happened to rev applause, I really don't know. Um, maybe we could say thank you to these women again. Would you like to stand? Would you like to stand if you helped out yesterday? These women, these, don't start all that. Right, now come on guys. <laughs> all right, all right. These women showed such, uh, there was such testimony just there about the way, through trust in Jesus, the freedom that he's bought. There's this wonderful moment where they're breaking down in groups and, and there's, I think there's four or five that just sharing their story of what Jesus has done and brought them into the freedom that only he can bring. Through trusting him. Through believing in him. It's like Paul says here. I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. It's the same thing. We mustn't, so, we mustn't divorce it. Oh, that was, it's the same thing. London, 21st century, as this here. Yesterday, I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. And, and, and I heard about the way that you served each other and the way you brought the whole day together. I've heard of your love for the saints. Amazing. Filled my heart with... Joy, gratitude, amazement, wonder, just sitting at home thinking, wow, and Davina said, God, Rev's come a long way. And I'm like, yes, it has. Yes, it has. Because there are whole teams and ranks of people coming through that are able to, 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 to carry responsibility, to speak for Jesus, to encourage and lead. It's wonderful. It's really wonderful. I want to thank you. And, um, and say so that is, if, and I know that if you, you know, there's just, it was a special commendation, but, you know, if, if you know in your heart, I, I trust Jesus and I love his church, hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a work of God there. It's just worth saying that. It's important that we don't just jump over that. And then he says, so I'm not, I did not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of glory, now that word there, Father of glory, you won't find that anywhere else in the New Testament. It's a unique phrase. Now, why? Well, it seems this. If you go through the New Testament and you find the prayers, what you'll find is often the writers will refer to God in a certain way that fits with what they're going to pray. So they create, some, they create a title, if you like, that is in line with the truth, but it fits the request. So he calls him the Father of Glory. Now, the word glory in the Bible is talking about the, um, the splendor, the radiance, the, the dazzling brightness of God's presence. That he dwells in unapproachable light, light and darkness. So the Father of splendor, the Father of, the Father of glory, the Father of unapproachable light, the Father of dazzling brilliance, that's who he's going to pray to. 
that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. There it is. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. It's a very important phrase. That's a very important phrase. I want to pray that, the, that God will grant you his spirit so that you will be able to see spiritually. Now, let's follow it on. That you may know. That's a really important word. He's going to say three things. I'm going to go through three things. When, when I pray that the spirit is poured out on you freshly, you will know three things. Now, the Bible word for know is a really important word. We, te- we tend to use the word in a much more reduced way. Uh, you know, so we tend to think, well, I, I, I know that. Okay, I know that now. I know that's true. Whereas biblically, the word know is about experience. So when it says Adam knew Eve and she bore him a child. Okay? She didn't sit down and say, he didn't sit down and say tell, tell me about yourself. Well, he may have done. But that would not have produced a child. There was a knowing, there was an experiential, intimate knowing of one another. There was a knowing of each other in experience, in deeply intimate experience that led to life. That's the Bible word for knowing. We're told in in the Gospel of Matthew that there will be a day where Jesus will say to certain people, depart from me, I never knew you. You say, what do you mean, him? You know, everyone. You, yeah, the Bible says that, that you know, everything's laid bare before him. Of course he, he knows everyone. What does, he, what does he mean when he says, I never knew you? He's saying, you never let me know you. There was never actually any experience between you and me of relationship. You, you never opened up who you truly are to me. I never knew you. It's not that he didn't know about you. He knows everything about us. But there's this knowing. So when Paul says, I pray... That the eyes of your heart will be enlightened, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation will so come on you, that the eyes of your heart will be so enlightened that you will know some things. And it's more than ticking theological boxes, it's like the thing lives in the reality of your heart. You carry this. You know these things are true. So these are the three things, and then we're done. Number one, hope. He says that you would know what is the hope to which he has called you. Hope is basically a bright future. That, that, that through Christ, there is a bright future for you. I've read the most sad, sad poster on the, on the train. You may have seen it on the trains recently. The most common cause of death for 20 to 34-year-olds. Do you know what it is? Suicide. I couldn't believe it. I, could, I just couldn't believe it. You know when you just read something, you think, that's awful. That's just... That is awful. Someone needs to do something about that. What? what, what it, it must be the absolute opposite of this. Just when there's just suddenly, what is ahead just looks so bleak that non-existence, at least I guess that's what people think it's going to be, that non-existence is the answer. You think, God have mercy. This, a life without hope is an awful life. In fact, there have been all kinds of observations and sociological situations where, you know, you can take a lot of things from people and they'll keep going. You take hope from people, they just kind of stop. They just kind of stop. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing more, there's no more motivation anymore. In Christ, we have a hope that is sure and certain. The Bible says that the Bible says that when you go through sufferings, rejoice. Why? Because that suffering in Romans five it will produce a new character. Okay, and what about that? And that character there that will produce a new hope. And listen, hope 
You, it will not disappoint. It, you won't find yourself suddenly thinking, what was all that about? It was a load of nonsense. No, hope will not disappoint. How do I know? Because God has poured his love into your heart by the Holy Spirit. So because of the Spirit's activity of pouring the love of God in your heart, you know, because you know, because you know, because you know, there's a bright future ahead. And you know that there, there may be weeping in the night, but joy will come in the morning. Joy has to come in the morning. It just has to. There's something about the Christian life which is fueled by resurrection where just hope is just like, vroom. it just empowers you. And sometimes it's more tangible than others, but it is there. And the Holy Spirit is the one who can help you know increasingly, experientially, the hope to which you've been called. That you have been called to uh, Christ-likeness. That you have been called to resurrection. That you, that you have been called to a healed heart. That you have been called to a renewed mind. That you have been, that you have been called to actually knowing, find out in Christ who you truly are. I mean, this is extraordinary. All of these things are ours in him. And we inherit them through faith and patience. So Paul Paul prays, I pray the spirit of wisdom and revelation will be given to you, so you will know this. You will know that? What more do you need? Holy Spirit, more of him, constantly. Constantly. Because it's it's like God can't do any more for you. You have been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It's done. But the, the degree to which you know that experientially, is the difference between a Christian life that is full of fruit and one that isn't. So many Christians labour under false ideas about who God is, who they are, and they wonder, why is it like this? Why is it like this? Because there's this deep-rooted understanding that is a misunderstanding. It's wrong doctrine. It's horrible. It's suffocating. It doesn't bring life. The Holy Spirit wants to come and enlighten our hearts so we get it. Number one. Number two. This is amazing. That you may know what I, typical Paul, lots of words upon words, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Now remember last week, what was the amazing truth we discovered last week? That we are God's, we are his inheritance, we are his heritage. That actually we are his inheritance. That, that, that God's, what God has promised himself at the end is us, the nations. That's what he's promised himself. So to understand what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints is to realise who we really are to him. Who we are. Why that picture? Well, you know the parable. Many of you will know the parable of the pearl of great price. The merchant who found a, power, found a pearl in the field was so amazed, buried it again, um, went and sold everything he had to buy the field so he could have the pearl. A very honest merchant, may I say. He didn't just put it in his pocket. He buried it again, sold everything, bought the field so he could get the pearl. And often, of course, and I think rightly so, we say that's what it's like when you find Jesus, you found the pearl of great price. You'll sell everything to get it. Absolutely, it's true. But I... I, I, I Commentators, will, some of them will interpret it that way, others of them will interpret it differently, won't they? They'll interpret it, who's the pearl? We are. And God gave everything, gave, gave his very best, his one and only son to get us. Wow. <gasps> That's who you are to him. That is who you are to him. It's extraordinary, it's sublime, it's, it's over the top, you know, it's unmanageable, it's like, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's true. 
is true. This is the love of God for his people. The apple of his eye. You are ever before me. He says words like that about his people. This is what it means. to grow, By the Holy Spirit you can grasp, I really do matter to him. I really do. That's a revelation issue. It's a revelation issue. Because we can get it wrong in so many ways. We can get it wrong in a kind of like a, we can get it wrong in a puffed up way. We can say, of course I do, you know. And it's kind of, that's not, that's not revelation. You've just got it wrong. Well, of course I'm going to Of course I'm amazing. No, that's not what we're talking about. Shelve it. <laughs> no, that's not it. Or we can go the other route, self-loathing. There's nothing good about me. No, wrong. Somehow, <laughs> somehow, through what Christ has done and through us being joined to Christ, the delight the Father has in the Son, he genuinely now has in you if you are in him. He genuinely has it in you as you are in him. Such is the intimacy, your entwinedness with Christ. The Bible says we are one spirit with him. 1 Corinthians 6.13 You are one spirit with him. So when he sees you, he sees his Son. The delight he has in his Son, he has in you. Don't shelve that. That's gospel truth. If you come in here thinking you are wonderful, okay, you're going to need to learn that you're not. Okay, you need to learn that, that there are some serious, serious problems with you. That, that absolutely just need killing. And the cross of Christ is where they get killed. So you can be recreated. So you can be recreated in Christ and be glorious. If you've come in here thinking you hate yourself and all of that, let me tell you, God does not make rubbish. Okay? He does not make rubbish. You mustn't, mustn't say that about yourself. Because what are you saying about him? What are you saying about his handiwork? What are you saying about his wisdom? You must not allow yourself to do that. It can be such a deep stronghold in people's lives. It's a self-loathing thing. And as soon as you do one thing wrong, you, the whole storyline kicks in. And you go down this spiral of, I tell you, it's nasty. It's dark. That's dark. That's dark. The Lord wants to rescue you from that. So you can stand in the light of his delight. And then finally, this one's really extreme. And that you would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised, that is not me when I was a kid, um, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. He's gone. He's off now. Whoa! He's off. The exaltation of Christ. The might that God exerted when he raised his son from the dead and exalted him above every other name, every angel, every demon, every principality and power, every mysterious thing there is in the universe we've ever and never come across, when he raised him from the depths to the very heights, that is the power that is at work in us. Good, eh? That is the power that is available to us. That power. You might think, oh, it just doesn't seem like that. Then I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. That you will know this. That you will know this. This is gospel power. This is gospel power. I tell you, this is gospel power. There is no thing from your past that can hold you away from this. There is no power from your past generationally. There, is, there, there are things that have great power over us. From our past, absolutely. But this power is greater. 
Which is why the Bible says that the blood of Jesus redeems us from the futile ways inherited from our forefathers. You don't have to live under that. You don't have to live under that. Anyone agree? I'm feeling passionate here, but I'm not sure if it's coming across. Is it coming across? All right, okay. So God's done all this, and he's saying, now I'm praying. Why? Because there is a battle for us to realise it. Because the Christian who knows this stuff lives very differently from the Christian who doesn't. They live real differently. And, and it's not that we get it in one, you know, charismatic Christians, we love it. Give me, I want that magic moment where I get it all. You know, well, I understand it all. I, I, there are big moments in God, but I think it's something that is revealed also just over time. And you suddenly wake up year on year on year to who you flipping are. And you think, oh, I need to change now the way I, it's very, it feels very natural. You suddenly think, why, did, why, why have I never done that? Or never said that? Or why have I done that? Or said that? And it seems stupid now. Because your eyes of your heart have been light. You've seen it a bit more. You realise by God's grace in Jesus Christ who you are. It's incredible. It's an incredible thing. And I want to end on this. Paul's got all these believers that all this stuff is true about and he realises that they really need to know it. So what does he do? In one word, he... What does he do? What's he doing? Praying. This man believes in prayer. Do you? Now we all know the right answer. (laughs) We all know know the right answer. I'm asking you in uh, more... Uh, searching way than that I'm asking you I want to ask you do you believe in prayer I want to ask some of you do you still believe in prayer because you did you did this is really really important when you do what I do for a job you realise that every day you're fundamentally trying to accomplish an impossibility (laughs) you think well I can't do this how how The church is supposed to get to a point where she is matures to the point where the body fits the head. I can't do that. Why did anyone employ me to try? No, that's not my. That better not be my job. Or, or, or the bride is, 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 is becomes a match for the groom. What gets you praying? Yeah, it gets you praying. Not because I'm a great prayer, but because it's like, well, I don't, I don't know what else to do. <laughs> I have to prepare a sermon and meet with people and stuff, but I'm, Lord, I'm looking to you because this, like, this thing is way beyond anything anyone can do. This is a work of God. So I want to ask you, do you believe, do you, not just do you believe in prayer, do you pray and believe? I think faithless prayer is a killer. It's just a killer. It's a killer to do it, and then it's a killer to sit and watch nothing happen. <laughs> Isn't it? Do you pray and believe? That's what, watch and pray. What's that about? It's about praying and you're watching because you're watching for what's he do? What's he going to do? Expectation. Do you believe? If you do, then pray. If you do, you will pray. The only way to know is just look at your prayer life. That's what it tells you. And uh, we're just under such, such secular bombardment. It's powerful, isn't it? <laughs> We're under a very powerful secular bombardment. Where we end up, you just try and muddle through, and, uh, but the, 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 the faith can be getting drained out of you for God to step in and act miraculously. But I tell you, he can and he does. 
I tell you, he can and he does. There is testimony upon testimony upon testimony around this room of God who can and does. I tell you, it's true. It's not, this isn't just pipe dreams. This is true. But there is a, the reason why the vast majority of the time the adjectives used around prayer in the New Testament are words like wrestle and strive. It's because it ain't an easy work to pray. It's easy to float a few words up and hope for the best, but to get a hold of God, different. <laughs> different. Takes effort, energy, and there's wall after wall of is anything really happening? And each one, it's so tempting to just go, blow it, let's put the kettle on. <laughs> Isn't it? I believe God wants to help us in this matter of praying today. I want to just appeal to you in your running partners. Where in this church we do something called running partners, we meet two, three, four people together. Don't just talk, please pray. There's a synergy in praying together. It's sometimes easier to learn how to pray, to pray together. Don't just talk, pray. And don't always meet in places where your prayers have to be polite. That's, it's great, I know it's like London, I will meet in the calf. great, I do that and I love doing that. But sometimes you just think, we've got to get a hold of God. So arrange to meet somewhere where you really can. Pray your hearts out. Tuesday mornings, we just pray, it's not fancy, come along, what are we going to do? We're going to pray, we just pray, put chairs out and pray. Why? Because the Bible says, be constant in prayer. So okay, this is our best effort, we'll, try, we'll put a prayer meeting in. Okay, come and pray with us. Get up, you feel awful, come along, you feel better at the end. Come and pray. Just do it. Don't wait for the magic feeling, it doesn't come. Okay, trust me, just get there and pray. Fight through. Come to our half nights of prayer, the enough nights, November the 13th. Come and pray. What is it? It's prayer. Stay the whole time. Why not? Do other things the whole time on a Friday night. Just come and pray. Shake the nations. Change things. You see, you see God do things. Come and pray. Come and pray with us. Pray alone. Pray alone as well. Learn how to, learn how to close your door every now and then. And say, oh, there's nothing here. <laughs> I'd even dare you. I'd even dare you to deny yourself the internet for an hour. No pings or dings or squirks or cheeps. No noises coming in. No noises coming in. And pray. See what God does. See what God does in you. Amen? And listen, let me just say, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the light of the world. Come out of the darkness and come into the light. It's as simple as that. See, because most likely you think you're going to get judged. I'll come into the light, I'm just going to get judged. The the gospel means good news. The good news is you should, but you won't. Why? Because Jesus was judged for you at the cross. So you can come out and you'll receive mercy. You'll receive grace. You'll receive forgiveness. You'll receive adoption. You'll receive the Holy Spirit. You'll receive promises. You'll receive a brand new life. You'll receive an eternal hope. That's the good news. Because of what Jesus has done. So don't hide away in the dark. Don't do it. If you're a Christian and you're just fiddling around, it's so easy to just get into little, little dark spots. Even the sun's got spots. You, get, you, you can be in the light, but it's little dark bits. Do something about them. Speak to someone. Get it out in the light. Confess your sins. The thought of it's always worse than doing it. Because, of course, we've got an enemy who doesn't want us to do that, so he starts piling in the thoughts. It's going to be like this, it's going to be like that. Thoughts multiplied. Say, God, show me when, show me who to speak to. Give me wisdom. I won't just blur, but give me wisdom because I want to walk in the light. 
Bible says when we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Our relationships go it's deep. It becomes true and real and authentic. Why? Because we're walking in the light together. It's the gospel. That's what it does. Amen? Amen. Amen. Right. Why don't we stand to our feet? Work out how on earth to respond. Um, the bank could come up. Hey, don't apologise. You're all right. Okay. Um. Let's just um, those of us that you know the Lord Jesus, we're used to this. Let's just with the eyes of our hearts, just look to the Lord. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, the Bible says if you call on his name, he'll save you. If you call on his name, he'll just rescue you. Just call on his name. Just call on his name. So that when you call on his name, right, and he rescues you, then your faith rests on his power, not on mankind's persuasiveness. So you call on his name. (laughs) Watch what he does. Lord, we thank you you're alive. You're alive and well. You're changing lives. Thank you, Jesus. You're so present, so present to us. Help us to be present to you. Oh, forgive us for our lackluster praying, Jesus. Forgive us, Lord, for our, for our pleasure-seeking ways. <laughs> Lord, you're, in your hand are the real true pleasures. Forgive us, for, forgive us for not believing that, Lord, and looking elsewhere, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. Do forgive us, all of us. We just all so need your help, your grace, your mercy. We thank you that it floods towards us in Christ. We thank you for this lavish grace, this superabounding grace, this sublime favour that you give to us in Jesus, Lord. We do not deserve a bit of it, but we gladly receive it, Lord. We gladly receive it, Lord. We gladly receive it. And we just pray, Spirit of wisdom and revelation, rest on us. Spirit of wisdom and revelation, enlighten our hearts. Be kind to us and merciful to us. Oh Lord, we know you want to. And we just say, Lord, we're not going to insult you with any unbelief or doubts today. We're going to trust you. We're going to trust you that you love to pray your spirit on us. Because you said, Lord, in these last days you're going to pray your spirit on all flesh. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We honour your name. We honour your name. Praise you. I want to just say, offer to pray for each other. Let's minister to each other. Please pray this prayer that Paul prayed and see what God does. But Maybe come and stand in this space if you want to. If you want some space during the songs, just come forward and band. If you could just start playing, we're going to sing our hearts out. Okay.